Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. Today's already been such, such a blast. Would you uh, care to pray with me real quick and let's just continue to offer this time to the Lord? We're going to open up his word and uh, maybe would you just ask him personally to speak to you? Maybe he's already spoken, but just, let's just say more, Lord. Father, you, you said you don't give like earthly fathers give. You're like eager to give your presence, and you want, you're a good giver. And so, Lord, we just ask for more. And uh, we want more of you. And Lord, if... When you walk in the room, there's like nothing can stay hidden, like everything comes into light and we get to see clear and you give, you give sight to blindness, you give ears so that we can hear. You transform like the inner person, the inner being. You heal all wounds. You cause the lame to walk. You casted out evil spirits. You calmed storms. But this is just what happened when you when you showed up and you like spoke and you, you did what you do. So Lord, we just invite you to do what you do. Lord, help us to see clear. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. So if I want to encourage everybody here today that please like grab a 21-day prayer guide and like just go for it. If you haven't started, if you missed and you're like, I did the first day and then now I'm six days behind, just just keep going. Don't stop. Like keep going. And I brought this wheel last week. And if you weren't here, I just shared about this wheel and how terrifying, honestly, a mountain bike is. If you realize this, any mountain bikers in the room? Anybody? There's like three of y'all. Okay, there's a reason. Listen, if you take this thing apart, this little tiny pin in here like holds the whole thing together. Like you're barreling down a mountain and your faith is in this tiny tiny pin. Mountain bikers are crazy. Have you seen those Red Bull things where they are, I know y'all seen them on like Facebook where you're like on the GoPro and your stomach like loses, you know what I mean? Like when you watch them, they're flying off of cliffs. And when I thought about this, I'm like, how crazy is it that this little thing holds all this together? But last week we talked about, we want to focus on the main thing. Like we want to reflect on the center of it all. Like at the center of it all, if this disappears, you don't have any chance of heading down a mountain. And some of us, we want to do some big, crazy things this year. Awesome. 
without the center thing in place, you ain't going to be able to move anywhere for long. And I brought this wheel and not my entire bike because guess what? I bought this bike as one of my hobbies. Anybody a hobby person in the room? You got hobbies for like days. You know what I mean? You got a hobby for this and a hobby for that. And after a month, it's not really fun anymore because you experienced it. You don't have to master it, but you're just going to go on to the next hobby. Anybody, any of y'all others in the room? I'm kind of one of those. I'm sorry. But I brought a wheel because honestly, my mountain bike is broken down. And literally the other wheel like dry rotted or something. And it just sat until it flattened. So I couldn't bring the whole bike in here and demonstrate because like it flattened. And when I started thinking about that, I'm like, man, there is so much in that. But like, it's because that bike wasn't my whole life. Like I didn't think about it much. Like I thought about it randomly on occasion, but like this bike didn't like consume my thoughts. So I didn't even care for it. I didn't keep it up. I didn't consider the pen. I don't even care about the pen, honestly, because I ain't going to ride it. But when I want to ride it, I got a lot of work to do to get it back in working order, you know? And last week, the, the, my prayer for all of us this year as a church, I just want to give you a little vision of where we're headed, but I read Psalm 119. I think it's going to be one of my passages for the year. But he, David simply says this, I reflect at night on who you are. Think about what you reflect at night on. He says, at night, I reflect on who you are. At night, that's when all my racing thoughts come through my mind. I hit the pillow, and you think about everything until you fall asleep. Anybody else? All those things, the conversations, and sometimes I find myself talking to myself, thinking about who said what and what said what and how I'm going to respond tomorrow, how the deal went, how the relationship's going. Think, you know? But at night, this is who he, at night, I reflect on who you are, O oh Lord. Therefore, because I've reflected, because I'm looking closely at the center of it all, I'm really reflecting, here's what's gonna happen. I obey your instructions. Like I'm gonna move because I've reflected on the thing that actually gives me the power to do anything. I'm gonna praise because he put praise in my mouth. If you don't have praise, he needs to give it to you or else you can't praise. It's a gift from God. I'm realizing how dependent upon him that I really am and how I make him a lot like the pin of that wheel. You're so small. Honestly, I have a lot to do. I'm thinking about a lot. And he's holding the whole thing together and it's by his grace and his kindness that I keep moving at all. But now listen to this. The next verse says, this is how I spend my life. David says, this is how I spend my life, my entire life. At night, I will think upon you and I will obey you. It's a life worthy of living right there. This is how I spend my life, obeying your commands. I'm praying this year that we would have a heart that is so radically transformed by the presence of God that this doesn't seem like a less of a life, it seems like the more of a life. Because for some of us and many years of my life, I thought, that's less. 
David realized that's the more. And if you haven't settled for this being my life, the invitation is not less, it's more. The invitation is more. Listen to me. The invitation is more. It's not less. It's more. It's so much more. And if you believed that it may be less, I believe today that eyes would be opened. and That the enlightenment of our heart would take place. And that maybe potentially we would recognize the deep need that this is our life. He is life and life abundant. That's what he said. So for the next year, here's what I want to do. And our team has reflected on this. We think it's a good idea. But we want to walk through the entire Bible together as a church. I think we can do it in a year. It might be two. I don't know. But uh, we're doing a, a flyover of the Bible. So we're going to hit like major points. And I want to give a reading plan for our whole church of just like, man, here's the week. We're going to be reflecting on this passage. And we're going to hit from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And we're going to see through the whole Bible and the scripture, the center of it all, the whole book points not to us. It points to the center being the person of God, the living person, Jesus. You will see Jesus from Genesis to all the way to Revelation. And listen, we will prepare for his return because he's coming again soon. I don't find anything else more worthy of our life. Jesus is worthy. And so we're going to give our lives to that. I want to invite you into that. And if you're like, I don't know where to start, guys, let's go together. Let's journey together. And you're like, I, my bike's broken down. That's okay. Come on. We're going to help fix everything. We're going to walk together with him. He's going to iron it all up. Okay. If you could, you turn with me at Luke 22. And I'm going to read, I'm going to go through uh, 15 verses, but Luke 22, I'm going to start in verse 15 and go through verse 30. This is our passage for 21 days, a prayer and fasting book today. So if you've already read it, you're prepped and ready. It's going to be awesome. One of the things that we're thinking as you're turning there as, as a team, and what I want to add to what Peyton said, it's like through this 21 days of like being very intentional, we believe like this may be a rhythm we need to do quarterly. So we're going to go through a flyover for the, through the scriptures, but like on the quarter, we may produce another book like this. Like if God's put something on our, on our hearts as a church, he's spoken to maybe some of our life group leaders or even you and you want to share that with us, we're going to write a book maybe for just that quarter, like another 21 days, and you can enter in on the quarter, on the quarter uh, another 21 days where we just intentionally seek the face of God, seek his presence, and step in together. We just want to walk through the word together and also be a people that continue to foster prayer. So Luke 22, starting in verse 15, Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And my prayer as we continue to talk about this is that we literally get to sit at the table and we get to reflect on who Jesus really is. Every word, we think about every single word that he's actually saying to these guys as if we were sitting there today. But what is that Passover feast? It was a part of, of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, actually. And then two days before this feast, the family was instructed to actually remove all the leaven out of the home. And so some of the tradition says that they would leave leaven for the children to actually walk around and participate and take some of that leaven and get it out of the house. It was a time to reflect and to remember 
Deuteronomy 16, three literally says, eat this meal with bread made without yeast. For seven days, the bread you eat must be made without yeast. As when you, listen, as when you escaped from Egypt in such a hurry, eat this bread, the bread of suffering, so that as long as you live, you will remember the day you departed from Egypt. They were instructed to make this bread for sustenance in order for them to get out in a hurry. You're gonna leave in a hurry so you don't have time for the bread to rise. Leave the yeast out. And it was all symbolic. And yet it was also practical. I think there's a lot in that. Seems symbolic, but very practical. And a lot of God's word seems symbolic. It's very practical in our lives. And so they instructed, have this feast of remembrance for all the days forward that you remember the faithfulness of God where you left in a hurry, but he delivered you from Egypt. And he gave up that, that little lamb who gave up its life and the blood was put over the doorpost so that when the angel of death passed over and killed all the firstborn, you would be spared death. So symbolic of what Jesus is now bringing these people into. So when he's looking at them, he says, I've got something facing me. I've been very eager to have this meal with you. Think about that. The cross awaits him, and he says, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with, with you before my suffering begins. Verse 17, then he took a cup of wine, and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I will not drink wine until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces. And he gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took another cup of wine. And he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Literally, this meal, Jesus is saying, like, I'm, I'm coming to bring fulfillment, to bring meaning to this meal. I am the meaning that this meal pointed to all along. A deliverance from an evil Pharaoh. A deliverance from an enemy slave king. I'm about to fulfill and accomplish this promise right here. In the church today, I've seen, like, there's, like, almost like a resurgence of, like, deep desire to go back into the, into the like religious like behaviors of what we're talking about. And I don't think those are all bad. There's like this fight between like religion and grace and you do some of the religious things and you're like, oh, you don't understand grace. Well, maybe, but maybe there's a lot of freedom in this. But I would say that in this resurgence, I believe in Colossians 2, Paul helps the early church kind of understand some things that were beginning to go back into feasts and some people were celebrating Jewish ritual and they were looking at other people who didn't do it and they would say, hey, look, you're probably not as good because I'm observing this feast and you aren't doing this feast. So who's better? Paul brings a very clearing word for the church and he just says in Colossians 2, he says, these, all these things, like these Sabbaths, these new moon feasts, the holy days, listen, he says, these are a shadow of the things to come. They're shadows. They've got meaning. 
but they're not the whole thing. The substance belongs, listen, to Christ. Like the substance of everything that everyone is celebrating belongs to Jesus. It points to Jesus. When we make the thing like not the pin the center, but like the rubber tire the center, you get off the center. It feels right that this festival is so important. And God said, we should observe it and understand it. It's beautiful. It's important. But what Jesus, I mean, literally Paul is saying is, look, the whole thing, if you really understand it, it all comes back to the center. It's all connected to Jesus. And if you want to understand some of these things and you want to read the word and you want to get understanding, pursue the word to the depth until you find Jesus or you haven't pursued it enough. If you haven't got to Jesus, it will lead you astray. Listen, I, I say this cautiously. The word can lead you astray. Absolutely can be used. to Satan used it against Jesus. Jesus had to have a clear understanding of the word. So if you read parts of the word and you don't get to the center of the real meaning, it'll lead you astray. Go to Jesus. But he says all these things, the substance belongs to Christ. Listen to this. And I believe this is a word for the church because the temptation of the church will be to leave Christ as the center. It always is. Pick up some religious ritual and make it the center. Make their type of music the center. Make the, worship, the, the speaking style the center. The clothing style the center. Whatever, the, the welcome the center. No, it all plays in from Jesus. Praise God for Jesus who manifests in different voices in different ways. Praise God for the ones who are doing, who are doing like music from the 1700s. I don't care. Celebrate Jesus. If Jesus is the center, who cares? It's wonderful. Let's celebrate Jesus. But he says, let no one, listen to this in verse 18, let no one disqualify you, insisting on aestheticism and the worship of angels. Aestheticism is just like, like a beating of your body, like almost like a, a, a Coggins kind of thing. Like, you know, like beating of your body and like, like owning your body to make it do things it would never do. Like, what's, help me with that. Yeah, like, right? Yeah, it's kind of good, right, Adam? Like, Adam helps me. Aestheticism. I hope that brings some kind of light. I didn't study that word, but I just know it's like a deep religious ritual beating your body to get it to do things. Insisting on asceticism. I'll pray it frees a bunch of guys in here. You can't cold plunge enough in the morning, y'all? Come on now. <laughs> cold plunge is awesome, but it doesn't make you less of a man if you do it or don't do that. It doesn't. These guys who prop themselves up because of their behavior, you're gonna die too. That's all I'm gonna say. I love you all. Respect the game. But we all go in the same place. I pray we rich in the right places. This is just Jesus' words. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and the worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by their sensuous minds. I've got a vision. Maybe. Wonderful. If Christ is the center, I'm all ears. But listen to this. And not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grow with a growth that is from God. You want to grow with a growth that is from God? Christ will always be at the center. Christ at the center of it all. 
I pray he keeps us him center focused. And if maybe you found yourself wandering off of Christ and the things in your mind are not Christ-centered and Christ-focused, I pray that we bring all these thoughts and bring them into submission to Christ. Therefore, then you experience the transformation and the renewing of your mindset. It will transform your life. The temptation of the church will be to leave Christ as the center. He will be the center. And I invite, listen, listen, just conversation. We're just going to talk, okay? If you see me leaving Christ as the center, I want you to come talk to me. Like before you leave, I encourage you to leave at that point. Like go, like you should, you should leave. Talk to me first. Because maybe, maybe I'm prone to wander. I'm not above you, I'm with you in that journey. I don't speak down as one in judgment saying like, this is for you and not, look like, we are prone to wonder. Why has history and the church wandered? We're prone to wandering. So I invite us into conversation, into grace and mercy, into, a, I mean, just conversation. And at that point, if I don't listen, grab two or three. If I still don't listen, talk to the whole church. This is the way of the word. And the word will be a good lamp to our feet. So I, I encourage you, if you want direction in your life, go to the word. It won't lead you astray. Verse 21, and here's where I want us to focus a little bit more, and then we're gonna participate at the table, okay? Here's what's going on at the table. He's facing the cross. Think about what he said. I've just been so eager to eat this meal with you guys. I can, see, I can almost hear his tone. I've been really eager, knowing that the cross is ahead this whole thing is pointed to me the whole time. And now you're going to know. Now you're going to get it. It's going to be amazing. And this is what, but here at this table, sitting among us, he says, as a friend is a man who will betray me. For it has been determined that the son of man must die. But what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him? The disciples began to ask each other, which of them would ever do such a thing? And when they begin to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them, <laughs> Jesus told them, in this world, listen, the kings and great men lorded over their people, yet they're called friend of the people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, he says. But not here, listen, not here. For I among you as one who serves. You have stayed with me in my time of trial. And just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now let's reflect for a second. I wanna reflect on Jesus. Lord, just help us to have clarity of this moment. But all these things on Jesus' mind, and yet somebody sits there, and this is a good word because he calls out the potential of this man right here. Judas is the man, and yet how does Jesus do it? He doesn't be like, hey, yeah, Judas is going to screw me over, guys. In fact, hey, listen, I've talked to half of y'all already. I know I've been passive aggressive toward this guy for about the past three months. 
at our meetings, you know what I mean? Come on now, that's human nature, right? I, I would do it. I really, I mean, I'm gonna out myself. Like if I knew this dude and I was that generous to this guy and he's gonna backstab me and I know he's at it, I'm giving him a look. But it says literally, they look around the table and they have no clue who it could be. Jesus is different. Jesus was there. Fully loving and fully kind. I've been Judas before. Jesus was there and he didn't out me. I believe that moment, he actually gave Judas an opportunity to make a turn. I'm not even gonna name you. One of you is going to do this. What sorrow awaits the one who betrays him? Sorrow awaits you. I wanna also say this though, Jesus wasn't silent. He gave a warning. He was clear. He wasn't passive, he was active. But in his activity, he was so kind. He didn't out Judas, but he was clear with Judas. Judas knows who he is. He's already been talking to the religious leaders. He knows. Think about that. He knows. And to hear those words and to still go through with it, Judas chose a way. But then right after who could this be? Well, it's obviously not me because I've walked on water. Listen, you know what I'm saying? I'm actually one of the greatest. I ain't gonna be the last. Can you hear it? I can hear it. I mean, and, and, and John's like, well, I'm the one, I mean, I'm the one who like literally, like I love him. And I can hear some of them being like, honestly, like I've doubted, like I don't even know. I'm not even in this conversation. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Like the pessimist of the group, like, it could be me, I don't even know. I hope not, but uh. I thought about that a little bit. You know, like, there's a couple of them that are like, no, I'm the greatest, for sure. There's a couple of them that are like, I'm probably not the greatest. I might be down for the race, you know? The personalities in this room are amazing. And they all, we all sit in this room today. It's the same things haven't changed. So similar. And yet Jesus is so kind who among you was going to be greatest after you've just heard Jesus say, in my time of suffering, I'm about to die? And yet you care about your position? Jesus wasn't the center. I'm the center. I'm important. My ministry is powerful. My work for 2024 is going to be huge. Huge. Huger than you, right? Huge. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta have some fun, you know. You just gotta have some. Think about it, though. Like we're we're not far out of the story. Who among us is gonna be the greatest? And yet, then Jesus, without being like, you guys don't care about me. I just said where I was gonna die. I just showed you the fulfillment of this, this meal that we're having tonight. You missed the entire Bible. You've studied this whole, your whole life, and yet you think it's about you? Y'all, I'm, I'm, I'm getting hot at that table. I might turn that table, you know? I've like reflected on this. Everything he does is opposite of me. Opposite of what I would naturally do. 
You too, Katrina. Like, we flipping the table? I know. You're chucking it across the room, and then you're letting them have it. Yeah, I know. But he doesn't even do that. Listen to Jesus. Like, Jesus doesn't do that. He goes, let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you a story. And I believe it ties into what this whole feast is really about. He goes back into the rulers of the world. Do you remember what the feast was about? About a slave Pharaoh who literally in Exodus 5, when he gets the word from God to release his people, Pharaoh says, no, no, no. He says, double the workload. It'll keep them from being able to have time to listen to this guy. Double the workload. Make them focus on brick making. He says, the kings of this world, literally, they say that they're your friend and that they serve the people. And yet, you guys spend all of your life supplying most of their needs and then they give back to you just a little portion. This is how the ways of the world works when we say this is a great person. They get served at every table. They get the seat that's very important. And all the people, the little peasants around them that bring them, this person is what we aspire to become. And if you, in fact, you beat your body to death, you can maybe get there, guys. If you cold plunge every morning and you wake up at four and you sleep for four hours like Donald Trump, like you might be able to get there, okay? But even then, it's a maybe. Guys, I'm, I just, I'm being so real. Like, this is America. And like, we elevate that way. And yet we never stop to think, but Jesus looks at them and says, this will not be so among you. Why does he say that? Be, among the kingdom of God, it will be different. My prayer is in the kingdom, like I don't even like to call it the kingdom because it's like what we say, what go to churches, but churches that have lost the center of it all have literally receded from the kingdom of God and create brand new kingdoms of the world. Honestly, I just be very cautious because we're prone to wander. Listen to me, I know, prone. We need each other. But listen, the greatest among you, he says, will be the one who takes the lowest rank. As I have done, he said, therefore you will do. Do you want to do something great? Take off your kingly robe and put on the clothes of Jesus, the same ones that he wore, as at this table in other gospels, he literally takes off his garments and he begins to wash the feet of those sitting at the table. Do you strive to do for something great? Serve as he's served you. My first question, and then I want to observe this meal together. One is, have you allowed him to serve you? Because some people are prone to service. And if you're prone to service, then you might be prone to not let others serve you. I.e. Martha. Martha. I got it, I got it. I'm a servant-hearted person. I don't need you to serve me, you know? Or I'm very strong like Peter. I don't, Jesus, I don't need you to do this. You'll never touch my feet. He says, listen, if I can't wash your feet, then you have no place with me. Peter's like, then wash my whole body. The extremist, you know? Then just do it all. Pour the thing on me. Take it. 
Let Jesus, he's got to serve you, his body. Think about the promise he's making with you. My body, which is broken for you. For you. And if you were the only one, he'd break his body for you. And this, this cup that I pour today is a brand new promise which I make in my blood to you. This is fulfilled. This Passover meal is for us to remember. What are we remembering? That the spotless lamb has covered our door from death. You will not die. You will not. You shall not die. But you know what else it is? It's a deliverance from Egypt. It's a leaving of a foreign land with a devilish king, a slave master. But it's an invitation. But can you imagine them staying in Egypt? I can't, no, it doesn't work like that. If you participate with Jesus, he's covered you and yet then he's invited you to come with him. Follow me as I have done. Would you forsake an earthly kingdom and would you receive his kingdom? And I pray that we take the seats of greatness by following Jesus in the same footsteps that he walked. Would you serve someone else? Would you take that rank? Would you let all these things pass away? And would you focus right on the center of that story being Christ? I just want to invite you to reflect. Some of you need to um, receive that service. It almost feels wrong because you're such a servant-hearted person. I may take those words back a little bit, but it may feel wrong for you. I'll stop there. But then some of you are fine with him serving you, and yet you haven't thought about his invitation to do anything great like him. Maybe your prayer is a little bit different as you reflect on Jesus today.